Welcome back to another episode of Movie Madness. I'm your host, Henry Thompson, and joining me, as always, is my brother, Wayne Thompson. Wayne, how are you today, man? Sam as always, dude. Sam as always. Well, on that note, you know what's coming. I want you to say for me, I'm not into downloading or streaming. I've always been a man of the theater. That's an easy one, that. <laughs> I ain't a man for downloading a streaming. Hell no. I'm a man for theater. Blue. Cinema. It- theater. Anyone. <laughs> yeah, because theater gets used in England is more for like theater. But yeah, in, Ameri- that's why in American that's why stuff, I quickly it's changed normally- it for. Yeah, that's why I quickly changed this. Yeah, whereas where I come from, we said theater, my brain would immediately think of a movie Cinema. theater. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'd have to say like a play or a stage, stage theater. For, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's the difference between uh, the ponds, isn't it? Basically, I tell you, culture, cultural differences, my friends. My American friends are sitting there going, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us again today, um, as he has been a few times lately, is resident journalist, producer, actor extraordinaire Wayne Madden. Wayne Madden, how are you today, bro? Oh, I'm not too bad. I'm coming to you from the lovely surroundings of Studio C at New Enterprise Studios in Sunderland, England. Um, It is an absolutely gorgeous audio suite, which allows you to come in and rent by the hour and record your contributions. And so I, I came in to do that today and they've been very kind enough to let me in and sample the exquisite flavors that they have here. It's a gorgeous room, I'll tell you that. Hashtag not spawn. But Indeed. yes, thank you very Indeed. much. I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying that audio suite. You do sound incredibly crisp, I got to say. Oh, well, I mean, that that just goes to show the, the great technology. And, and it also <laughs> goes to show just how, you know, a dedicated space helps. I mean, how many times have I sat in my kitchen or my living room? Did we not do a show a little while ago? I mean, it was a long time ago where people said we had to stop the show because there were two guys having an argument over a pizza outside my front window. <laughs> I remember that, actually. Yeah, and we had, yeah, there was yeah, police yeah. sirens in the background, all that That's shit. That's right. Dodgy neighborhood. <laughs> I came to somewhere proper today, you know, somewhere refined. Stepping up in the world, man. That's what That's it is. That's it. That's it. On that note, Wayne, I want you to say for me, how do people relate to movies now when they're on portable devices or streaming? How do people relate to movies nowadays when when they're on portable devices and and streaming? Excellent. I wonder if I should actually tell people in advance who the quotes are from so you can try and do an impression of them. That first one was Warner Herzog, and that second one was Keanu Reeves. How would you have read that if you knew it was Keanu Reeves said that? That was... The Keanu Reeves ones I've got, but I would never get in the first one. I wouldn't have said it as Keanu Reeves. I, I was sort of trying to think of it like Woody Allen or something complaining. And and that's what <laughs> I, or like Martin Scorsese or something, you know, that because I know Scorsese was very frustrated when he, he released that film, The Irishman. And he was like, he appealed to people in the paper and said, please, please, please. Yes, it's on Netflix. But for God's sake, do not watch this on a mobile phone. Please take the time to watch it on your television. Um, and he was very clear about that. 
it was a shame he wasn't so clear with the script and the directing, the producing, the writing, and no, the editing. No, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I love Scorsese, but my God, The Irishman's got to be the worst movie he ever fucking made. It takes a what? It takes a lot out of you. It takes a lot to watch. It's no, it's no Departed. It's no Wolf oh, of Wall Departed. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, excellent. Yeah, if you couldn't guess, everybody from those uh, quotes here, we're kind of continuing our theme a little bit from last week, where we talked about how greed is kind of the motivating factor of filmmaking more so than the creative process. Well, now we're we're, we're switching up slightly to uh, push more toward how streaming is changing the entire ballpark of how movies are viewed. Um, and obviously there's a contention from carryover from last week that streaming is an element of greed because a lot of the original deals that were in place with studios and actors and so on include the theatrical box office or even the home video box office, but rarely include the streaming services and the profits made from them. So the argument is, of course, they're taking all the money to the bank and everyone else is getting shortchanged. But, but as we said last week, is anyone really getting shortchanged when everyone's so fucking greedy in the first place? Um, the mentality of it is so insane. I'm going to just briefly mention a, a side story to explain how crazy people are in this world. Um, there's a thing on Microsoft, on Xbox, called Game Pass. And you get like 150 games for $10.99 a month. And PlayStation don't do it. And Xbox does, and everyone's praising Xbox for this incredible service at such a low cost. And they release all of their new games first day for no additional cost on this service, and everyone's loving it. So they're winning, quote unquote, the streaming wars of the consoles for gaming. Um, and this will come in very important in a little bit down the conversation when I tell you what Netflix is doing next. But they said to PlayStation, why aren't you doing a service like that? Because it's such a good value. And the head of PlayStation said, we just don't see it as fiscally viable because you imagine you've got a $150 million game and then you've only got what? 50 million subscribers paying $10.99 a month. We couldn't possibly return a profit on that unless we had a hundred million subscribers all subscribing at $10.99 a month. And if you do the math on it, that is like, it's like a billion dollars. So how is it that 150 needs a billion to break to a profit? Even with marketing and everything else added on top, and the cost of their service is running, and that's only one game out of a collection of games, how on earth do you need 100 million people? Because, of course, they don't want to have an extra 100 million for their, for their investment. They want to have triple, quadruple, five times, 10 times, whatever. You know what I mean? It's not enough to make some money. you got to make all of the money. Otherwise, oh, why do it? Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. this is the mentality. You can see it clearly in a comment like that. That's the mentality of Warner Brothers. That's the mentality of Netflix. That's the mentality of all these studios. Um, Six Underground recently on Netflix had a sequel canceled because they said, oh, like um, 28 million people watched it. That wasn't worth spending $125 million. And I'm like, well, if you work out how, many, how much money those people are paying, 23 exactly. million at $9.99 a month, how is that not worth it? Because they oh, have to leverage that against reality shows, which cost nothing but draw the same crowd. There's There's been examples of this in business for years. I mean, one great example, which people may find hard to believe now, is in the retail sector. 
So if you look at Tesco, for example, who first started doing this in the 90s, they obviously brought along the meal deal. So you get your drink, you get your sandwich, you get your snack, and you get all for three pounds. And that's what the meal deal. And obviously other retailers start copying this idea or other retailers are available. But it is fair to say that a big selling point of any Tesco in the UK, for example, you walk into Tesco, your meal deal is in front of you. Well, it's a known fact that Tesco lose money on every meal deal they sell. Yeah. So, I mean, famously, if you go into Tesco and you pay three pounds for a meal deal um, uh, and you buy nothing else, you are buying that at a loss. And so uh, to the company, that is to Tesco, because they are paying more to get that product in than what they are earning in profit. But they do that because they want to draw customers into other things. So mm-hmm. the whole idea has been if you're coming in for a meal deal, why don't you pick up the cereal you didn't buy? Or why don't you pick up the loo roll? Or why don't you get the toothpaste and so on? And well, so with buy a candy Pass, bar or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so the idea is that much like with Game Pass, much like with Netflix, much like with Disney, when you're paying for streaming, you're not necessarily paying for just one product, or maybe you are, you're paying for that one product and that's maybe at a loss to Netflix, but it's actually what else you're looking at getting involved in. So those 28 million people who were watching that show you mentioned they could they they were obviously they were looking at other things they weren't just using netflix solely for that one show and the whole idea is that within business you sometimes offer things that lose you money but you do that for the greater good to bring in others in other areas yeah well i mean this is why obviously again to shut down the movie theaters hbo max did that deal where they're playing all the movies same day and you know, Suicide Squad has opened to thirty million or some, or twenty-three million, I think it was, and it's considered a failure already. But the money they brought in to HBO Max could be tremendous because they were showing same day on there, and they're already talking about. I've, I've read articles already where they're saying we need to reevaluate what makes a movie successful because obviously we can't rely on box office numbers anymore post pandemic. Why can't we rely on box office numbers post-pandemic? Once the Delta variant is taken care of and once people are more free to go to theaters, surely things would renormalize. But no, because everyone's now hedging their bets towards streaming. They're literally driving you away from the theaters, which is not fun for the theater owners. I'm sure they're not very fucking pit. They're not very happy about it. No, I don't think so. I mean... I did see back in March 2021, and I know the landscape has changed a lot in the last couple of months, because despite the fact it's only been a couple of months, obviously the pandemic and the changing restrictions, but I did see that Cineworld, who I thought were going to close down at one point in the UK, they came back, but specifically Cineworld agreed a deal in March that with Warner Brothers, that they had exclusive rights to showing those films before they were on streaming. So this is something that cinemas definitely have to do in order to ensure their survival, that the cinema chain is saying, yes, we will show your films, but we need an actual contract to say that you will not put it on a streaming service at the same time, or that you have at least a period of exclusivity that the cinema receives. And ironically, it's Warner Brothers who did the deal with HBO Max, but there is no HBO Max in the UK. So yes. obviously yes. it doesn't work the same here. It's it's interesting. Now, the, the reason we brought this topic up today more so about streaming 
is the fact that one of the things that's always sucked about TV, and I know the TV has went through its its golden age, technically, with things like Breaking Bad, the success of those shows, and Walking Dead to a lesser extent, and The Sopranos and X-Files. And, you know, we, we, we're inundated with a glut of really good TV for a lot of years there. And now that is kind of slowly switched to streaming with things like House of Cards and Orange is the New Black and all the original shows that are coming out on those channels and those streaming services. Um, but the one that sucks, and Netflix is, is guilty of this a lot, is canceling shows mid-run. Um, and it used to happen on TV all the time. I, I'll never forget, My Name is Earl ends on a giant cliffhanger. And yeah. lots of shows have ended on giant cliffhangers where they didn't expect to not get picked up. Um, so one of the ways where you can see that streaming is hedging its bets is um, Paramount, for example, who have Paramount Plus now, another fucking streaming service. Um, <laughs> there's just so many of them, man. You can't yes. keep up. It's ridiculous. Um, Absolutely ridiculous. They've signed South Park to not one additional season, but to six additional seasons and 14 movies now the six seasons will run on comedy central and then go to hbo max and paramount but those 14 movies or 14 specials will all only be available on paramount plus so they're guaranteeing x amount of years of content to lure fans of south park in rick and morty has been signed up for seven full years 70 episodes a massive order um, no show would ever get this in the past. MASH was the biggest show in the world in the 70s, and they were still waiting to find out if they were going to have another season every year. Friends was a massive show. It nearly got canceled three or four times before it ended. Um, there was never a time, I think, where people just went, here's a blank check, make as many seasons as possible. I've I've got a question about that because I think we discussed this before we came on air briefly, and I did have a question about that. So, in the example of South Park and Rick and Morty, I'm sort of thinking to myself, what happens if the creators, what happens if Matt Stone and Trey Parker from South Park become bored of their own creation and come to hate it and decide, you know what, we don't physically want to give you any more South Park. We want to stop after seven specials or we want to stop after three seasons. What if Dan Harmon with Rick and Morty decides that's it, I'm done. I'm not doing a single, you know, minute more. Presumably there's some kind of clause in that contract that the networks can sue them for big money or do the creators get to make that informed decision and decide it's done never again and walk away? Well, with, I would, with I would imagine, oh, go on. Go on. I was going to say, no. I, would imagine, I would imagine the reason they've signed on for big days like that is so that it gives the opportunity for the likes of those guys to say, well, actually, we've, we've run out of course now. And it's, I think it's more of a safety blanket so that they don't just end abruptly which has happened to so many shows over the years. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you'd be really enjoying the show and all of a sudden it's getting cancelled. There's no ending. There's no, you know, like end product to it. And it leaves you what My eyes remember Farscape. Uh, I used to love Farscape when it first came out. And after season five, it was getting cancelled. Well, they didn't get the chance to do a wraparound ending for it. And their fans pleaded and pleaded until they did, like, I think it was a, a three, four part mini series just to finish it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think maybe that's what they're thinking of 
maybe it's the can cancel after three or four if they've run out of ideas. Because the last thing you want to do is a is a big time company is just spit out another series just for the sake of it and lose all your fans. Do you know well, what see, I mean? I, I think unfortunately that's where you're wrong now because that's the way it used to be. Because it was more about if the numbers are dwindling, why run a show? It's going to run into deficit uh, because you won't have enough advertising, you won't have enough whatever. Whereas now it's more about the size of the library itself. So um, yeah, I was backing up Madden's query about if the right is the company who won the. Oh yeah, out. sorry for the individual. Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah for yeah, the yeah, creators. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you don't want to get creatively stagnant and be on a show where you just. That's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's this happened with um, Frank Darabont and The Walking Dead. Was he created the Walking Dead show, and he originally pitched it as being a certain number of seasons. Like I think it was like four seasons or something. Four seasons or something, yeah. And then the show got so popular, and he was like, "But I want to end it on this season." And they went, "Well, you're fucking not." And for creative differences, he was fired, and they just brought in a new showrunner, and then they ran the show, and then they got fired. I mean, oh yeah, he hates. I've seen interviews where he's bitching and moaning about how he doesn't like what it's become, Um, wasn't what he intended, kind of thing. Um, and now they've, I think they've had like four different showrunners, including, uh, Charles, uh, Egley, who was one of the showrunners on the shield. And I don't think even he could write that ship because that show is just making any excuse to be as long as humanly possible. Even down yeah. to now they took Rick Grimes out of it so they could do standalone movies. They diverged from the comics and killed Carl, who is actually, he kills Rick in the comics and all this shit. And it's like, why would you do that if you have a source material you're working from? Would you diverge so rapidly? Oh, well, you diverge so rapidly so you can keep telling a longer, needlessly long story yeah, exactly. to have more content. So from a creator standpoint, I agree with you completely. But from a number standpoint, that's why something like Six Underground wasn't renewed. Because why make a second movie for $125 million if you could make literally 50 episodes of a show for $125 million? And those 50 episodes bulks our numbers up dramatically. Yeah. You know, I was looking at the statistics the other day. Netflix, um, well, Netflix in the UK has like 7,000 movies and TV shows, if you include every episode. And Netflix America has 11,000. I mean, that's that's double digits of thousands. And obviously, the amount they're paying on licensing, so they have to have things temporarily, it makes much more sense to just keep creating nothing but original content and eventually have no um licensed content at all because you're paying money to other people and apple have done this apple plus has done its own streaming service now and it has nothing but apple original content they've assigned oprah onto it for an exclusive show they've done exclusive movies with like fucking tom hanks and they're betting hard that people will tune in for the content they can create with no existing content from anybody else on it which is the only service I know that's doing that. Everything else is all leveraging past its content. Bit, it's a bit cheeky though, isn't it? Like when you think about it, like Apple come along and say, we have a hundred percent original content, which is true in theory. But when you're signing Oprah and Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks to do movies and shows for you, you're leeching off the fact that Oprah has been predominantly massively successful as a talk show host. Oh, yeah. So it's this kind of like, yeah, we have original content, but we're going to bring in this blockbuster actor who themselves, by their very appearance, brings in a certain amount of fans. 
you know, oh, Tom Cruise is in it. Oh, I'll watch that. You know, and and I, I find that like, I find that even more dishonest. I'm thinking at least Netflix are saying, look, we're making some content that's original, mm-hmm. some semi-original content, like when they brought back Arrested Development and it wasn't exactly as it had been before, but it wasn't completely new, obviously. Mm-hmm. They'd kind of done a different thing with it. And then you have the classics and they bring in and say, well, and I just, I think as Wayne Thompson has said, it is getting a bit ridiculous that like, I mean, I, I look at my direct debits every month and I go through my bills as everyone does. And myself and my partner are looking through going, we're paying what for Disney and we're paying what for Netflix and we're paying what for Spotify. And, you know, it just, it does add up. And before oh, you know yeah. it, it's it's like paying individually for channels. It's like if you went... I'm paying a fiver for BBC One and seven pound for ITV and eight pound pound for for Channel Four. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's and that's just one service. I mean, it's and I know it's it is in a sense it's the way of the world. It's like trying to swim against the tide, but it's it is crazy. It's getting to that point and. And like, you know, like Henry has been saying, everyone will kind of think of, well, what's a way of making more money and what's a more original way of making money? Oh, well, let's not have licensed content. Let's have original content. And then the other licensing people who are paying to put their stuff on Netflix are suddenly going, hang on, that's a really good idea. Let's start our own streaming service. And the people who are losing out in this whole thing are the consumer, are you and I, because we're having to pay more, more to go to the cinema, more for more streaming services. We're, we're basically being played against ourselves by exactly. corporations. Yeah. There was and, this whole thing. Oh, go on, Wayne. I was going to say, and to top this all off, it's, we briefly discussed this before we out, it's going to totally kill the cinema industry. Oh, yes. Yes. You know, it's, I can I can see what they're trying to do for TV because you know they're trying to see what the fans deserve to go and end at TV shows, which is all fine and well. But why stream films before they've even been on the cinemas, or why is the jeweling it on the cinemas? You know, why would you do that? Well, what I find amazing is how certain traditional media is being destroyed, but then is being replaced by copies of traditional media. What I mean by that is. Yeah. I remember very distinctly getting uh, Netflix back in like, fuck, I don't know, like six years ago, man, like a while ago. I got an American one on a VPN from my friend Brad, and it was just full of everything you could ever hope for. It was like thousands of great movies, thousands of great TV shows. It was just amazing. This is before they did any original content. And I was like, fuck, man, you do not need to have a cable box anymore. I don't even need to download shit. This has like everything I could possibly want, even if I don't know I want it. And it was great. And then, you know, other people went, wait a second. Why are we licensing everything to them if we can do it ourselves? And they started again, like you say, um, yeah. making new services. So it went from like, hey, man, cut the cord. Don't have cable TV. Go to streaming services. And you got one place to view everything. Amazing. Now there's two places. Now there's three places. Now there's four places and six and eight and ten and so on. And YouTube tried this with YouTube Premium and was a massive flop. YouTube Red was a massive flop. 
because they offered such an amazingly large amount of content for nothing. How could you then leverage the existing content for money and people don't feel cheated? And yes. then Disney does the exact same thing and is a massive success. And now why Disney makes me laugh is they've introduced Premier Access. Now, if you have traditional, some kids will be too young for this, I guess. Cable TV, you would have, the movie would come out in the movie theater. It would be there for about three months. Then it would come to um, video and DVD and so on from the home market rental. And then the rental market was gone and it was just home video. Then it would come to pay-per-view, which was a service you could buy the individual movie on your TV cable box for like eight ninety nine or something. And you could view it before it went to the movie channels. And then eventually after a month or two it would leave that, it would go to the movie channels. That was the life cycle of a movie. It would last yeah. about six months to eight months, depending on the movie. Now that life cycle is everyone trying to grab them as quick as possible to go, look, more content, boom, same day, look at that. Yep. And trying to shorten that cycle, while Disney have went back to pay-per-view and you have premier access. It's just pay-per-view. Oh, that annoyed the hell out of me, that. But you're paying... $7.99 a month for Disney Plus, and you have this massive content library, and now here comes Black Widow. But for the first three months it's on Disney Plus, you have to pay $14 extra to view it. The price of going to the movie with your kids and your wife for viewing it at home. And the, the whole problem is not just the greed of the companies, it's the, the fucking idiocy of the individual because it's made more money from streaming than the theaters. Yeah. People are that willing to view that shit. Well, I'm, I think, I'm sorry. I just don't think that's fair on anyone that, that level agreed. No, I, I agree with you. I don't think it is. But at the same time, I would say that Disney have been extremely lucky to you. You could almost I mean, I know there's this, this you know, you could almost make a conspiracy about the fact that Disney were responsible for COVID because they happened to launch their <laughs> streaming service like a week before the lockdown orders came in to the UK, the stay at home orders. So everybody is being told, stay at home, don't go out only for exercise, only for medicine or essential foodstuffs, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And um, they're, they're all doing all of this. And yet at the same time, I'm looking at this whole thing and I'm like, hang on a second. Like Disney couldn't have picked a more fortuitous time to launch a streaming service. Oh yeah. They got pretty lucky. I tell you. Yeah. But at the same time in that window between the time that, you know, Disney plus was announced to Disney plus going live, there was then Peacock went live and Paramount plus and, you know, several others. And now we've got the situation where because content is so King, no one wants to give the licenses up. And so you have Netflix losing movies and having to replace them as fast as possible with new content. And, you know, uh, I have Hulu and I was watching Home Improvement and then boop, Home Improvement disappears. Oh, it's going to Disney Plus. Oh, okay. Oh, no, someone sued Disney Plus. Now it's not coming into streaming at all. So what options do I have? Well, you can buy it on Amazon Prime or I could download it. Yeah, exactly. So fucking, you know, that's all you're going to drive me to is downloading shit. Because if I was paying, you know, $6.99 for a service and I'm getting all the content I want included, then you take that content away from me and charge me $150 for the box set, I'm just going to download it. 
And it's, I think it's, it's going yeah. to lead the amount of people who are trying to stagnate. Like, for example, in England, you're lucky in England. I'll tell you right now. I'm telling my American friends, you're very lucky in England. You suck in America. Because while Hulu has a lot of great stuff and it has like uh, all the FX stuff and it has a lot of great movies and things and it has a couple of little add-ons you can get that are really nice, like HBO Max and everything, it used to have everything. It had South Park. It had all the Adult Swim stuff. It had all the Comedy Central stuff. It had all you know FX's stuff. Slowly but surely, it's all getting taken away. And now HBO Max has South Park. And now HBO Max has Adult Swim. And now Paramount Plus has you know the next South Park seasons and so on. And it's slowly getting melted away. Whereas in England, because they're just buying everything from America... Amazon Prime has everything Hulu has, more or less. And Disney Plus has half of what Hulu has. So it's actually easier right now in England to be into streaming than it is in America. But it will not stay that way. And in about a year's time, Amazon Prime is going to suck. And we're going to be like, oh, I was watching House. Where'd House go? Oh, House is on Disney Plus now? Yeah, well, I guess I have to get Disney Plus. Oh, oh, wait a minute. I was watching The Shield. Where'd The Shield go? Oh, The Shield is now on fucking Netflix, so I better go to Netflix now. And you're going to have to move different streaming services based on what interest you have. You know? And you and I thought, you know, people can't care that much. Well, they clearly do. When you look at Friends got yeah. moved exclusively from, from Netflix to HBO Max. They paid like $800 million for it. And 10 million subscribers left Netflix same month. It's it's insane, really. I mean, it's it's madness. And when you say about downloading, I mean, it's it's ironic as well that we are, and we have been for a very long time, moving constantly from that idea of forget the physical, go to digital. And there's a lot of people in gaming, in filmmaking, in films, in movies in general, fighting for that physical release. You know, if you're a games developer oh, yeah. these days, you're fighting especially if you're an independent, you're fighting for that physical games release. And it's always like, well, maybe if it's a limited thing and if we can guarantee sales through a limited run or something like that. And it's it's just amazes me that like we've gotten to this point now where, again, like with friends, you sign up to Netflix and you go, that's great. I have friends now. And then friends leaves the service and you go, oh, I no longer have it in my collection. And it's like, you don't physically have anything. Yeah, you're renting everything. That's it. Netflix yeah. could decide to shut down tomorrow and you've lost it all. In much the same way that I always say to people, when the PlayStation Network, when they were recently going to shut down the servers for PS3 and PS Vita, and obviously they changed their minds, Gamers were going mad thinking this is my last chance to pick up some of these games before they're gone forever. But that's the point. If you were to shut down the stri- the servers tomorrow, the games are gone. They, yeah, exactly. You know, your digital content evaporates, it disappears. And so suddenly you're effectively paying money for nothing. I mean, yes, you are getting content, but physically you're receiving nothing. And instead of it being cheaper, it ends up costing you more. So an example might be, and and I'm sorry, I haven't researched the studies, but you would traditionally go to HMV and you would pay 20, 30 pound a month, let's say, out of your wages to buy the odd Blu-ray, the CD, the vinyl, Mm -hmm. the DVD. 
And nowadays you're paying maybe that same 30, 40 pound a month for streaming content. You're getting nothing physically though. You're not having anything on your bookshelf. You're not having anything in your collection. And it, it just amazes me that once again, instead of things being cheaper, they are either the same price or dearer. And once again, the consumer is the one who's having to spend more as opposed to it being more affordable for the consumer. And you would imagine when you remove the physical product, you remove the complication of that, that it becomes cheaper for the consumer. Well, imagine you're a big time studio. You're Warner Brothers, for example. How much did it make you just get hard as a rock in your pants when you go out of your way to make a movie for $100 million? Let's take The Matrix, for example. $75 million to make The Matrix. And it becomes a huge box office success. It becomes a cult movie. Awesome. So then you release a cool box set with tons of features. Like you go out of your way and produce, which must cost additional money behind the scenes, how the special effects are made, audio commentaries, which gets people back into the studio to record their stuff, then the digital mastering and mixing, and then getting the authoring of the the Blu-ray, the DVD, etc., then releasing it, then shipping it to stores, then having it purchased at the stores, then taking cuts from those stores, etc. It's a massive endeavor. And now you find, wait a minute, I can just license it for millions of dollars for someone to play the movie and all those features that don't even exist. Who cares? Because they don't need an incentive anymore. You had to incentivize me to buy that with the extra features. It wasn't enough that the movie was there. I had to have the features too. Now, no one cares about features because you can go on YouTube and view like a dickhead talking about, do you know how they made that? I'll tell you how they made that. And that's enough for people. So now they don't bother so much with the behind the scenes and the making ofs and everything. You can see this with Marvel movies. The first Marvel movies had tons of features and progressively we got to where it's like Endgame and now it's got like three bloopers in the trailer. Yeah. Because who cares? Why spend the extra money? No one's watching them except the old people like us. So if you can just put it straight on a streaming service with nothing additional, you're saving so much money and getting the same return, if not higher. Why bother putting in the extra work? And this is the thing you see i always say bet on the underdog with stuff like i would bet on xbox over playstation because they're losing to playstation so they'll try harder to get my money oh yeah there's no underdog anymore no one's trying hard to get my money they're just getting it nintendo Uh, actually no scrap that never mind (laughs) yeah fuck nintendo (laughs) nintendo's the worst of all of the games people but again going back to games and how you can see the market share with movies and correlation if i wanted to go and buy um a video game i want to buy uh, ghost of shima i could spend 59.99 to buy it digitally and now i have it forever until they decide to turn the servers off but it's mine and i can't get rid of it or i could buy a box of it for the exact same if not lesser price digital content should be less expensive because there's less production involved i agree cool. yes but they're creating the implied value of the product itself being the cost, not the actual production of the, of well, the cost. What, what baffles me is there's a few times I've went to buy a, say, PlayStation game. Yeah. And you go on the PlayStation site and it's like $59.99. It's like, <laughs> I'm not paying that. Go to Asda, it's $29.99. I'm like, exactly. What? Yes. So to buy a physical copy, I'm actually getting it £30 less. But again, in a lot of in a lot of those cases, Wayne, 
Tesco or Asda or Morrison's, etc., will sell the game at a loss to get you in the door because it's incentivized that if you're going to buy the game, you're thinking in the back of my mind, I need to do the shop this week. I'll go to Tesco on Friday and I'll pick up the game with my shopping. And I think that's um, a good idea, though, because yeah, when's the yeah. world going to sit up and there? Like, I put I put a thing out on Facebook recently because um, with my disabilities, I've got a heart problem. I need like um, caffeine, caffeine, sugar, that kind of thing to help my heartbeat yes. faster. Yeah. Yet the governments keep putting money on sugar to try and make it more expensive to harder people to get because they think that's what's putting the weight on people. It's not... It's these streaming fucking services and everything like that. What's putting the weight on people? Because they're sitting more. It's laziness. And it's exactly, instead of getting up off your ass, actually making your way to a cinema or making your way to a game shop, you sit in your ass and just get online. So no wonder the world's becoming a beast. It's got nothing to do with the fucking sugars and the caffeines and shit like that. Yeah, all and that does is hinder poor people. That's all that exactly. does. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think I think the pandemic, in a sense, you know, it presented a lot of companies, games companies, films companies, streaming services, with an opportunity to utilize that convenience, that accessibility, more than at any other point in history. And so yeah, you're it was right. so. Yeah, you you're right, but what yeah. it also caused was a lot more health problems. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, and I I don't disagree. Physical with and that. mental. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. I think one of the things we lose, for example, is, you know, I mean, th- th- there's obviously the resale value. So as you mentioned in the example with a game, you buy a game, let's say you personally don't like it, there might be an option of you physically being able to trade it in and make some exactly. of your money back. Yep. As I did, my, as I do myself a lot of the time with games, as I did myself with a Nintendo game recently, I thought, no, not into this, get the highest price of trade and make something back. If I had bought that game digitally, You're fucked. it would have been, exactly, exactly. I'm locked in and I'm done for. I, I might as well kiss my money goodbye. Or at So least when they're 100%. locking you in, how can yeah. you feel comfortable paying more to be locked in than less to have freedom. That's what's shocking is that people are still voting with their wallets that digital is the future. Now, let me tell you a story. Relate this back to movies because this isn't a game madness. This is a movie madness. Um, I got a friend, my cousin. He's a, he used to have a massive DVD collection. Like I do. I've got, I've got over, you know, 1200 DVDs. Um, He used to have a massive collection and then eventually was like, oh, Blu-ray is the future. So he sold them all, got Blu-rays. Then he had a massive Blu-ray collection. Then he goes, oh, no, the future's digital. So he sold all the Blu-rays, and now he buys everything on iTunes. And, uh, yeah, he gets sometimes his good deals on, like, oh, it's only two ninety nine for this movie, and it's, in, and it's in HD. And if it gets to 4K, they upgrade you for free to 4K, and that's cool. You know, and I think some of them even have features. And he loves the accessibility of just turning his thing on and having his whole collection of movies at the touch of a button. That's great. Good for him. Now, where he has the problem that he hasn't foreseen yet and where we know the problem is from evidence is a if that company for some reason loses a license to sell that product for any reason it goes under litigation anything boom it no longer exists exactly they have the right to remove it from his fucking library if they want 
or at least if they don't have that right, they have the right to remove from the store, which makes them unable to re-download it. If he deletes it himself, that's his own stupid, stupid fault, technically, according to the T's and C's. But even more, and this is the most important part, tastes change. And as we're living in a society that is getting more and more politically correct and quote-unquote woke, um, you know, we're getting warnings on content. We're getting this on, you know, oh, that we, well, you can't watch Ace Ventura. It's transphobic. You can't do this. It's, it's uh, racist. You can't do that. It's so-and-so. That's fine if you want to tell people you don't like it. But what people are doing is they're going through and they're removing content to appease modern generations. So, it, like, for example, Simpsons has a few missing episodes now for things like Michael Jackson. The Michael Jackson episode, gone. Can't get it digitally anywhere. It's not on Disney Plus, it's not on iTunes, it's gone. I have it on my DVD. You can't take that from me, I own it. Um, 13 Reasons Why, censored her suicide. You can no longer access the original version of that show. It's gone. Um, Community, they had a dark elf where they had Ken Jeong have dark paint over his face. It was mistakenly viewed as racist because it was technically blackface, technically gone the whole episode and it's an amazing episode that's actually about saving people from committing suicide because they have mental health issues it's an episode to try and help people survive their mental health issues and that's they pulled it as well, they pulled it for the theory of racism in case one guy thinks that could be construed as racist when it was clearly an asian character playing a dark fucking elf but now it's gone if you own it digitally it's gone if you only stream it so eventually, what if the tide turns a little further and they go, well, God with the Wind is just too racist because of Mammy. Gone. The biggest movie in all of recorded history from ticket sales, gone for the future generations because it was too racist. Where's the fairness there? Well, I mean, there there is none. It's It's censorship to the highest degree rather than sitting down and having a conversation about this. And I don't mean a national debate on television. I mean a talk among the families. I mean a talk among, you know, why is Ace Venture transphobic? What exactly do people feel makes it transphobic? Let's sit down and talk about that. What is the context of those scenes? What's actually happening? Can we Are, separate the fact from fiction? There's and a problem, though. Do context that, doesn't matter anymore. I was just going to say, the problem you've got is they don't want to give you a reason. They don't have to give you a reason. If they well, say it's wrong, it's wrong, and it's fucked up. But that's the thing. And the thing is that rather than being able to take away and separate and go, hang on, when we look at this example, we see we have nothing to fear. So it is fear and partially the media creating hype around content that somebody somewhere mistakenly misidentified as racist or transphobic or bigoted or misogynistic. And immediately it creates a whirlwind of fear and hate. And, oh my God, we need to get rid of it. We need to censor this. The thing what gets me is if somebody doesn't license it, don't fucking watch it. If I don't like music, I don't fucking listen to it. I'm not going to turn around and say, oh, that's against what I listen to, which is banned. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But here's the kicker. Here's the bigger kicker, right? We could argue the virtues, positive and negative, about, you know, uh, social justice and political correctness and so on. 
Now, I'd argue there's two major elements that are more important than all of that, which is number one, if um, you know, if you don't like something, then yeah, like Wayne says, don't watch it. Sure, but it's important that still exists because those who remove history are doomed to repeat it. And all you're yes, doing is hiding a problem that still exists. You How can't, do you teach people? How do you learn? Yeah, you can't blame you know people in the '50s having a, a more sorry a less uh, feminist view of women when women hadn't fought hard enough at that point to get the views they have now women have come so far for equality in 60 years but you can't hide the fact that they had to fight for it because then they haven't won anything and you shouldn't hide the fact it it should be it, in fact it should be pushed out there more to show that they how far they've gotten yeah. and how far and how well they've done because Damn right they should have equality. Everybody should have equality, but why should any other person be like set on fire for that? You know, we weren't the ones who did it. The you know, just just like women weren't the ones who had against us at the time. It's just it, it was the way the world was. You yeah, know? and the world has become a better place technically of in those ways. It has. And yet, if you hide the battle, did they really win the war? Exactly, because that never happened. It never exactly. Existed. So now everyone just thinks, "Oh, we're just, uh, we're that fucking egalitarian, are we?" Then people are shocked when someone comes out with something racist or feminist because they don't believe it exists anymore. But it does. There's always going to be some dickheads who do believe in the wrong thing, and you can't just make them go underground because then they're going to be hiding in plain sight, striking at will. Because then in 50, 100 years time, it's going to do a full circle where the men are going to start standing up for their rights. And thinking, well, why should women have all the rights? Blah, blah, blah. We've got just equal rights because all the history got lost. Exactly. Now, the further issue when it comes to movies that I see with this is the one benefit of a film or a book or a song or whatever is it can live forever. It will outlive any creator, any author, any filmmaker, any director, any writer, and it lives forever. But due to nothing but greed... Because let's face facts here. If you had a movie in your vault that's made money for you since 1972 all the way to today, and that one movie is drawing ire from a select group of people who are very vocal, well, what if they don't subscribe to our streaming service today because of that one movie? It's cheaper to make it no longer exist. Mm -hmm. And removing movies, like they're talking about, you know, uh, they've been burning Dr. Seuss books because they're too racist in America. and They want to remove certain movies because they have bad depictions of Native Americans and all this sort of shit. And it's like the more you censor history, the more you censor art. And censoring art is something I am uh, vehemently opposed to, regardless of how offensive it is. I still would defend them to create it, even if I don't believe in the actual art. Yeah. It should be down to people's choice to what they create, what they what they view, what they follow, what they like, what they dislike, and what they monetize. Should be down to the individual. I'll tell you another thing that you see happening, which really bothers me, and it's happening on YouTube and Instagram and places like that where social media is king. If you create content that people find offensive, they can just whoop, pull it; it doesn't exist anymore. And that's the future of iTunes. That's the future of Netflix. That's the future of all these streaming services. Because eventually, if you give people a platform enough to talk about it, they'll worry. It'll affect their numbers. And again, greed will win out over artistic integrity. Yeah, exactly. And I'm afraid of that future, man. Uh, Do you know Aliens? Aliens has a warning in front of it. And the warning 
is that it has bad depictions of um, a time in a place where people would have um, said negative things to immigrants because of the way they call Vasquez like a, a man and an illegal alien and all this sort of stuff. And yet people have missed the context. And I guess they just missed it because they would have complained about this. She's not Mexican. She's a white woman playing a Mexican yeah, character. Exactly. That should be the more offensive thing by today's standards. But no one is even researched enough to know that. I've probably just screwed it. They're probably going to pull from Disney Plus now that they hear this. Yeah, They're going to go, wait a minute. You think Goldstein isn't Mexican? What? <laughs> it's we, true. We, People will we, now listen to this and think, shit, that is right. He's right. He's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. Oh, no. She did red face. No. We, we already have our own sort of private form of censorship already. That future has already arrived in a sense. I mean, look at like Netflix, for example, is a, is a prime example of this on streaming services. You watch what you like. So you go on to Netflix and you decide, right, I'm going to watch a couple of episodes of Breaking Bad or oh, Arrested Development. I'll watch that. Oh, another Explained series. I'll watch that. It will then show you, much like any advertising platform would, any smart system, it will show you what it recommends that you should watch. In a sense, that is a form of censorship because it is telling you as a consumer, here's what we recommend you should watch and what you would like. And so you are not able, and there is accessibility and convenience there, but again, it breeds that laziness. You're not able to go looking for something unless you physically type it into the search engine. Again, it's sort of saying to you, don't worry about anything else we have here. Just look at what you like and what we recommend for you. Um, and that is another form of you know censorship in my mind, because yes, it is marketing and advertising and media and whatnot, but it is a form of censorship because limiting perspectives absolutely absolutely i have noticed what you're saying i've noticed i i watched two horror movies the other day i hadn't watched horror for a while and i watched two horror movies suddenly now my recommendations is nothing but horror yes oh and yeah I, maybe i feel like a fucking comedy but i gotta go out of my way to find a comedy <laughs> but it, it actually starts to lower things like comedy out your ranking if you're watching horror uh, Amazon Prime is the worst for it. Amazon Prime, it's it's its algorithm is fucking ridiculous. If it I is. watch one TV show, I get nothing but TV shows and no movies. I watch one movie, all the TV shows fucking disappear. It's it's crazy how extreme it is with showing you what it thinks you might like. Um, to go on a, a slightly other topic about streaming and its issues. Um, I think, you know, I, I think generally as streaming services progress over the next five or 10 years, you're going to find, first of all, you're going to find that the bubble is going to burst. I don't think that you God, can I simply, hope so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I wait for that. I'm standing there with the pin ready to burst the bubble myself if they would let <laughs> me. But it's, it's like, you know, it's like that cartoon of like an animated character blowing up bubble gum bigger and bigger. And eventually someone just comes along and bursts it because it's so big that you can no longer see the person blowing it up. That is effectively the situation we're in now. We are that animated character and the streaming services are expanding and expanding 
to such a point that all you will see is streaming services. You won't see anything else. And hopefully the bubble will burst. But I wanted to mention something that I don't know if this is your experiences um, as well. One benefit that I find of going to the cinema, one massive benefit I find compared to streaming is when I watch a film at the cinema, I love the fact that all the lights are out. I love the fact that my entire attention is focused towards that screen. I love the fact that I am told personally, it doesn't matter about others as such, but I love the fact that I am told turn off your phone. Do not have it on vibrate. Turn off your phone. Because I can tell you right now, I have no problem saying whether or not it's just a symptom of myself or what, or my own mental health. When I watch something at home, when I play a video game, it can be very difficult for me to concentrate fully on that game or that medium. When I'm watching a film, my hands are almost looking for, oh, what's on Twitter? What's on Instagram? And often I can find sometimes that I'll end up on the phone missing things that are on screen. Mm. And so in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, this is where we as consumers, we pay for digital content, but are we really even giving it our full attention? Because how many times do you see videos of families who sit down to watch television and the kids are on a tablet or a phone? Yeah. And the whole family is sitting together in the living room watching TV, but they've got a second screen. It's like Back to the Future, too. It's yeah. literally like having two or three televisions on at the same time. Well, what yeah, gets I me is disagree. when the, when the kids are walking around on the phones, how the hell can you? That's going to ruin your eyes watching a screen that small. You know, but they're constantly going around on these phones watching films. How? I, that, would, that sounds absolutely ludicrous to me. I for will me, say... Oh, sorry, go on. For me, the bigger the screen, the better. Personally. Yeah, oh, 100%. But I will say there's a weird thing where uh, movie theaters are kind of a social experience, but a very isolated social experience because you get... Like, I remember, for example, seeing uh, Avengers Endgame, right? And it was a packed house, packed cinema. And it comes with a big snap, spoiler alert, snap, I am Iron Man, snap. And the whole audience, they had a laugh and then a pause. And then you hear assorted sniffles uh, around the room and you can feel, wow, they're feeling what I'm feeling. They're thinking what I'm thinking. We all laugh at the same time. We all cry at the same time. We're experiencing this as humanity together, but in our own little world, watching this as a group. And I feel like there must be an element where people need that. Because otherwise, I cannot explain the success of reaction videos on YouTube where people react to stuff. Uh, Why would you want to watch that unless you needed to feel that social connection of they think the way I think when I watch that? Yeah. We share that same human experience watching that thing together. That should be driving people back into the theaters, not away from them. It's weird. But another point I wanted to bring up, that's what I was going to bring up earlier. it's getting to be, it must be a such, you're a journalist. I'd love to get your opinion on this, Wayne Men, but it's getting really hard, I think, to be a journalist in this day and age if you have a negative opinion. Because I've noticed that everything has to be positive and almost socialist to an extent. 
I look at things like Space Jam 2, which is pretty much reviled as like the shittest movie made in many, many years. And yeah, some critics have slammed it, but most, I'd say probably quarter to half critics, and especially every person I know that's seen it, are very complimentary. Like, yeah, it's not perfect, but I mean, you know, let's find all the positives we can. And yeah. they don't want to be negative about it, even though it's a terrible fucking, it's a giant advertisement for Warner Bros. and nothing more. Yeah. They don't want to come out and say that because they might offend someone who does like it. And I saw Black Widow. Black Widow's a shit movie. I don't think anyone would disagree. It was not a good movie. It was okay at best, but not nearly the standard of what you'd expect from a Marvel movie. And certainly not a great, you know, you, how can you care for a character you know is dead, for example? Yeah. So yeah. you've already fucking, you know, stiffed yourself on that one. Um, but then I look at I look at reviews and they basically all go, well, if it hadn't been for streaming, it would have been better. Well, maybe from a financial standpoint, but it wouldn't have affected the movie's quality. Well, Scarlett Johansson finally got her own movie. And that's great because she's a woman. And it's like, but the movie's not very good. It's not the best Marvel movie, but I mean, they did their best. And it, they're trying yeah. to be positive all the time. And, oh, I, I, even, I, yeah. and I don't see a lot of people being willing to just go, this was shit. Like, for me personally, my opinion is this was shit because their opinion now carries weight to everyone to disagree with it. Well, I don't think it was shit, so you're wrong. Well, you can't be wrong about a fucking opinion. I was asked to write a review of something recently, and I won't tell you for who or for what. I bet I know who and what, but I won't say. Okay. Well, I was asked to write this review, and I was critical of the subject, and it was a review of a piece of media and I was critical of it. And the feedback came back from the editor who said, well written, I like how it's worded, but I don't want negativity in the publication. It's not what it's about. I don't want people turned off this. I just want to give them a little bit of positivity, a little bit of spin. So we'll not let it speak the truth anymore. (sighs) Effectively, yes. And so I was like, well, Fair enough. I suppose in one sense, if if that's your rules and that's your publication and that's the platform you want to give, fair enough. But to me, I was like, you know, I, I will just blindfold myself and I will just write out a couple of words and that's my review. It, it, you know, it's not something which I even wanted my name on. Because, you know, it was it was the first time I think I've had something done in a long time where I felt ashamed by what I'd written. And I felt more ashamed to have my name associated with it Mm. because I was like, I wish I'd never done that now because I was told, you know, no negativity. Keep it light. Keep it light. You know, and it's this constant. (sighs) Let's let's just keep it moving. Um, I did want to say, although that's an important point, um, by all means, let's discuss it. But I did want to say as well, I remember a show of Movie Madness we did ages ago with Tim Mount, the actor. And we were talking about the actor's art. One of the things I've always loved as an actor is actually doing work in the theatre in front of a live audience. As much as I enjoy doing work on any sort of film set or independent movie that I've done, nothing quite compares to the idea of a live audience of going out no, on a stage in front of real people it's a and i think that's something 
that's something that equates very well to your example of what you were saying about seeing Avengers at a cinema. Mm. There's nothing quite like that shared experience. And so I, I totally, totally agree with that. But from an actor's, or I say in inverted commas, an actor's point of view, that's very much the equivalent of I love doing theatre in comparison to maybe as much as I love doing independent film in a studio set. It's great to have that audience reacting in front of you. Yeah, I don't disagree. Go on, go on back. But, but you just, just very quickly, back. I just want to say, Wayne, sorry, if you could, I'll let you go first. Go on. No, no, go on, go on. All I was going to say was when he's, t- when we're talking about, you know, that editor wanted to positivity. My biggest problem with people praising and pushing for positive agendas is the more you push for positivity now, the more you're highlighting the negatives of the past. And this furthers my point that we're going to end up getting a ton of censorship to the previous content, because if everyone is so super positive now and you look back and there's anything remotely problematic about X, you know, old media, such as, you know, racism and aliens or fucking whatever, it's just going to make it stand out like a sore thumb and it's going to slowly get swept under the rug. It's, it's not just that. It, it's like how they're going to learn. How you know one thing I, I I crave is constructive criticism. Yes, I don't always take it as negative criticism. I take it on something I can build on. I know I am not perfect. I know I if I ever think I have done the perfect project, what is the point in continuing? I've reached the peak of where I cannot get any better. Where I need that constructive criticism. I don't want everybody just trying to say, "Oh, that's great." That. I need people to say, well, actually, Wayne, it's great. However, if you did this mm-hmm. and did this and did this, or if that had only been like that, or you did that bit wrong, how am I going to get it better? How am I going to learn? You know, on the note about indie film, I remember very distinctly going to a premiere for an indie film. It was it was one you I were in. I know which one you're talking about. Here. I'm, I'm not going to say the name out of politeness, um, but we saw this movie. It was like 30 minutes long. And it was dreadful. The sound mix was poor. The visuals were very okay at best. The actors were basically forced to all be kind of robots. And they weren't playing robots. And even I thought, I thought your performance, I looked at you and I went, you're a better actor than that. What the fuck happened? Well, this is the way I was told to do it, you know? And we finished the movie and there's no applause. There's no laughter. There's just kind of like, and then a pause. And then everyone went, what an incredible job. Yeah, you did so good. Oh, wow. And they praised the director and writer like crazy. And they come to me. There's a whole party after and everyone's getting fucking slaps on the back. And they come to me and they go, what do you think? I go, I don't think it was very good. Here's why. I don't want to hear why. Of course, you didn't like it. You don't like anything. And I leave. uh, And as I leave, a couple of people said to me, it wasn't, was it? But they'll be nothing but positive to the creator because they think that's like the polite thing to do or something. And shall I let you know that's ridiculous. It's secret. Those filmmakers now don't do anything. Well, that's probably because they were stunned that this incredibly well received thing never got picked up or traction anywhere because they don't know the faults of it. They, they probably mm-hmm. are scratching their heads. Why does no one want this? Because they've been lied to by politeness. I don't think everything I've made is perfect. I don't think I, I know for a fact I made a few things that could have been way better. But if someone comes to me and tells me something where I know it's not as good as it could have been, and they go, that's just amazing. You're so unbelievably talented. I'm going, you're a fucking liar or you're blind because <laughs> it wasn't that is, good. The thing is, 
had you said that was terrible and they said why and you says oh because it was fuck off yeah that's, that's an asshole view. opinion yeah. yeah that's just your view but like you said you try to say let me tell you why and they just said no don't want know why yeah Whereas if it was like, you know, hey, man, maybe invest in a better microphone. Let your actors have a little bit more agency to carry their own favor and do what they think they're comfortable with. And also uh, pick your shots better. Boom. Better movie. That's all it took. Three things. I think that's all they had to listen to. I, I think you're right. I think there's also, though, the um, from the point of view of, as I mentioned before about this article I was writing, there's the concerns of outside factors. So in that case, there was a commercial concern. This idea of if something bad is said, does it affect the relationship I have with sponsors? Does it affect the relationship I have with clients? Which is in itself disgraceful because I can definitely remember there were times when I was hosting radio shows and we would receive tracks from the labels and they would either send CDs or they would send them digitally. And there were times when we played songs and we would be like, that is absolute rubbish. Like that, that, <laughs> how could you possibly play that? And again, the labels would be like, I don't want to hear you badmouthing my artists. And if you continue to badmouth my artists, we will take you off the distribution list. Oh no. And yeah. 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 And and these things happen. And you'd be like, okay, well, take me off the distribution list. But then unfortunately what happens is eventually, and again, because the tide is turning in this way, you're eventually left on your own. That you're eventually a man sitting in a room on his own and all people say on the outside of the room is that guy in that room there, he hates everything. Don't ask him. He just, he, he hates everything. But that's not the case because you've tried to be more acclimating with people. And instead, they've got now we, we, you know, if you've got positive vibes only, hashtag positive vibes only. That's all I want to hear. You know? Yeah. We've been accused on this show, me especially, uh, and Wayne especially, have been accused, uh, Wayne Thompson, have been accused a lot of being too negative on this show. And I would argue that we're not negative, we're passionate, and that we don't want faults to continue. So if I watch a, if I watch a Transformers movie and I go, wow, that had a terrible plot. I'm not saying it to be a dick. I'm saying it to say, you know what they should do? Write the next one better. Yeah. And I'd be more likely to watch it Um, because I think as consumers and as film fans and as film watchers, and again, I don't think that I'm perfect. I don't think everything I've written is pure gold. I'm not going to go like, oh, they should let me write it because I'm the best. No, it's just I can see if it's a problem from me as an audience. And I don't want to just suck on your balls and be like, man, that was so delicious. I can't wait for more of that. Take my money. Take it, please. No, I've got a limited amount of money. I'd like to spend it where I think is worthy. So I don't just praise every filmmaker, especially indie filmmakers. I don't just praise everyone. I don't just praise all of Hollywood. I don't just praise everybody. But I always praise where I think someone's done a good job. Yeah, like exactly. I, recently, I, I recently saw Parasite. I would tell anyone, even if you don't like foreign language films, go see it. It was fucking amazing. 100% I can see why they chose that as best picture. It was phenomenal. But if then you had another movie that was also a South Korean movie and I thought it was trash, I would go, that was garbage. I'm not just being nice to Koreans. I'm not just being nice to uh, one person. I'm, I, I like that movie and I don't like the other movie. It's an opinion for fuck's sakes. 
Yep. Where I have, again, the issue with this thing, and I think you're 100% right, is it goes back to my original argument that it all follows off from greed. Surely lots of people in the past have released movies, and it, oh, what a bummer. We got bad reviews for it, but hopefully word of mouth will be better and it'll make money. But now they can because everything is all digital and, so, and selected and everything, and it's not independent. They can just go, well, don't give it to that guy. Yeah, don't exactly. give it to this person. Don't give it to them. And there's no freedom in journalism anymore. Because I see this a lot in, in games and movies when I look at reviews. There's a select few that are very critical, but they don't have great reach. Not like back in the day with like Siskel and Ebert and uh, Leonard Malton and people who, if they said a movie was shit, it would probably affect the box office. If they said it was good, it would probably increase the box office. Now it's just like no one wants to hear a hater. That's what it is. You're not a critic. You're a hater. And it's not a hater. Exactly. It's, it's, a, it's just a view. That's all it is. The one I heard the best was, which I thought was amazing, was someone said to me, I'm not going to name their name. They said, I just don't think it's fair to be critical of anyone who produces a movie because it's a lot of hard work and they've done we the work. That. And it's like, we well, yeah, of course it's a lot of hard work. But you know what else is hard work? Making a cheeseburger at McDonald's. <laughs> and if I get a cheeseburger at McDonald's and it's good, I'm going to be like, oh, great. But if I got a cheeseburger and it came with like 85 pickles and no beef patty, I would still go back and complain. You've done this wrong. I'm not arguing they work hard. <laughs> I don't think that hard work automatically means that any strife no, you give the good. customer is excused. That's not the case. You still got to do your job well, no matter how fucking hard it is. I mean, what would you say if you went back about that burger? You would say, that needs cooking longer. Yeah, that, is, that needs to be that fixed. Is, oh, that is overcooked. So what's the difference in going to a filament saying that was too light or that was too dark? You need to yeah. change your lighting system or you need that sound was terrible. You need to exactly the same thing. Exactly. Uh, but corporate interests, man, that's, that's the thing that holds it up. Corporate interests and everyone being this, we want to be a plus positive society. My you biggest I mean? fear is with, with all this greed, that cinema is just going to end up being a gimmick. It's already heading that way now. Um, you know, eventually you're going to be lucky if you, if you have one cinema every kind of county or something. Um, well, I thought I thought everyday cinema was a sign of the times that you know we've had to resort to gimmicks. Have you seen everyday cinemas, Wayne? Have you been to one? No. Oh no, not everyday. It's called Everyman. Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah, Everyman Cinema. You go in and it's couches, tiered couches with little tables, and you like lounge on the couch with whoever you're watching the movie with, and they bring you drinks to your couch. And it's trying to like create a home experience for a theater. What? And well, I was if like, I want a home experience, I'll just do it at home. Well, exactly. <laughs> I, guess, well, I guess it's for people who can't afford a big screen and whatnot, sure. But even still, I'm like, who the fuck wants that? Then I see people going, oh, that'd be awesome. We can get nachos and drink. This is this. It's just Art Deco madness. I mean, I I worked for for an art house cinema, um, or I mean, vaguely what could be described as an art house cinema for about two three years, and you know, they weren't quite at that level, but there was definitely that element of, oh, look at us, we're going to the cinema, and it's like, why are you treating this as if it's some kind of mad excursion? 
you know, there. I know for a fact that the patrons of the cinema I worked in, they would purposefully travel for maybe 50 to 100 miles round trip to come to that very specific cinema. That's fucking and it was a se- You know, it is. And, and it was a sense of, it was that sort of, it wasn't even a sense of community. It was just a sense of, well, look where I saw the film, you know, and unfortunately what happened was and and it has happened because people used to say to me you don't work there do you i mean their audiences are appalling and in a sense it was true because there was a community who went to that cinema who very much discouraged you know how dare you eat sweets in this screen how dare you munch on that bag of popcorn we (laughs) would receive complaints from patrons going that person has a drink in the screen how could you let them in with food to a cinema? And it's a well, we sell food at our concession. How you point. make your fucking money? Yeah, that's ex- that's exactly it. And I often feel that like when you're getting to that next level above that, and it's like, oh well, we can have nachos and wine brought to our seats, and we can put up the seat warmers, and we can have all this kind of, and it's just, you know, just stay at home, just don't bother, like. Stop trying to make things so like it's great that we live in a comfortable world. It's great that we live in an accessible world. It's great that things are within reach. It is great that I don't have to go down to the workhouse like generations before me. It's great that I don't have to go down the mine. That's fantastic. In all honesty, it's great that I don't have a life expectancy of only 60 and that I'm not dropping dead of a heart attack, you know, at a very young age. Mm. And it's great that we don't have massive child mortality and all these advances we've made. But sometimes I feel we are getting too far ahead of ourselves. Sometimes we're feeling we don't, we're afraid almost to just put that little bit of an effort in. And and that's what I'm wanting. Do you know... um... You, you you know the the film in the book Fight Club. Oh yes, yes. A lot of Chuck Palahniuk's work, Fight Club, um, things like Survivor and and so on. A lot of those are basically, and I think he foreshadowed this whole movement in many ways. They're basically saying we've got no great desires left in life. We've got no great drive. We work to buy shit. We work to survive, and that's about it. We're not living. We're surviving, and we have no ambition, and we need to find ways to express ourselves, and the whole point of Fight Club wasn't people fighting. If you thought that the movie was about people fighting, then you did not get the message. The message was about people feeling listless and nihilistic and not knowing what to do with themselves and finding an outlet through camaraderie and an exertion through pain to feel anything at all because we're so numb from how life has treated us. Well, some people look at that and that's an uplifting message. And some people have those feelings and they don't know what to do with them. And instead of fixing world problems, they've decided to create more fucking problems so they've got something to fight for. And that's why we have such a woke culture now is our life is too good. We are having a whale of a time. There is no fucking, how often have you heard about someone, oh, I'm having a baby. And then the next thing you find out they died having the baby. That's pretty fucking rare now in England and America. But I'll tell you what, pretty fucking common in Africa, pretty common in like, you know, Czechoslovakia, where people are getting killed in the street 
over bullshit turf wars and, you know, Palestine and so on, the world is an unbelievably dangerous place. And here we are in fucking pillow land. Yeah. Literally in comfort, finding excuses to bitch and moan. And there's people who are literally every day fending for their life. And I'll bet I'll bet you five bucks they don't give a fuck about what pronoun someone calls them if they give them aid. Oh god no. Because that's what happened. We we've been we're too comforted. That's why we say things like, oh man, you can't let people fight. Toxic masculinity is killing everything. Well, what about the people who are being bullied? Well, talk to the bully rationally. You never fight back. Uh, when, I, when I was a kid, knocking a bully out, fix that fucking problem straight out. I was always taught, never start it, but make sure you finish it. It's exactly what I was taught. And I'll tell you what, that is a true fucking statement. But now it would be, we got to talk to this person and this person. And well, you know what? That bully, they probably have ADHD. It's not even their fault. Don't make fucking excuses for bad human behavior. And in the same breath, try to curb everyone's behavior. Oh, you're toxic and masculine, but this person has ADHD. Treat them with kid gloves. That's ridiculous. But this is because we've got too much freedom. We are too, in many ways, I feel like we should all be under a fucking dictatorship. I mean, God, everyone just accepts whatever the Tories say and then bitches about it. No one does nothing to fi- fix it. Um, you know, I mean, we, we live in a country here in England where every year we celebrate someone who failed to overthrow the government. We celebrate Guy Fawkes and we reburn his effigy. He failed to make a difference. So we celebrate him failing to make a difference. Where I come from, we celebrate excising ourselves from a fucking oppressive, uh, uh, <laughs> <an> oppressionist rule. <laughs> Um, I will I, I will often say that uh, America has always striked me as a place where you can enter with nothing and achieve greatness. To quote from The Departed, 20 years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job, we had the presidency, may he rest in peace, which again is is very true. You know, 20 years before John F. Kennedy was president of the United States of America, an Irishman would be lucky to get a job. You know, and and that's that shows how if you want something, you go and take it, <laughs> and you know you, you you make sure to get it done. You don't just sit back and go, "It'll come to me. It'll come to me. That's fine." You want to talk about too much freedom, right? A great example is commerce in America is a great example of too much freedom because when I was a kid, what was instilled into me was if you work hard at a better level than other people. You will advance and you will get where you need to be. And you hear stories of this all the time from like Stan Lee worked in a fucking mailroom, eventually became head of Marvel and so on. There's lots of stories of people who started from nothing and through hard work built up to something. Now, in England, you don't have that so much because there's not a lot of threat here. If you have a job here, you're stuck in the job and you very rarely advance because no one is ever at risk of getting fired. So the best of the cream doesn't rise to the top. Whereas in America, you get fired for like nothing. There's no rights for the worker in America. Like, I know people who got fired for literally not wearing their shirt with the right buttons in order. They'd be fired on the spot for that. Over here, there'd be a tribunal over that. Well, we have to give you a written warning today, and um, this is progressing from our verbal warning, and then we may go to a final warning, but there's no guarantee of that. Don't worry. We're not trying to fire you or anything yet. We're going to wait and see. You have to do severe shit to get fired in England. You have to do like, I mean, I went to quit my job and they made me stay up for six months paid leave 
to make sure I was happy to quit. In America, they would have went, there's the fucking door, dude. The next guy will want it more. And people don't like that because a lot of them are lazy. So they look at someone like Jeff Bezos. We're not getting paid enough. He makes too much money. No one should ever have that much money. Way That's commerce. That's how commerce works. The people who create the uh, jobs and create the buildings and create the businesses, create the services, have the equity to create the capital to then give people jobs. And it's there. And, you know, the government passed laws for minimum wage for the very purpose of making sure no one undercuts them. It's not their fault if they're paying minimum wage by the government. It's the government's fault if they put the wage as low as it is. Exactly. Back in the day, that wouldn't be the case. If a guy had come in and work for half it, he'd get the fucking job because that would make more money for the guy on top. The secret is try to be the guy on top and not the guy on the bottom. But you see, where I was a kid, the guy on the bottom would fight harder to become the guy on the top. Now they just want to complain about it and change it. No, it's not fair. Life's not fair. Nobody should be earning that much money. Well, I'm hey, sorry, but if he's working for it, he can. You tell me where anywhere in life it was said that life was fair. On the Constitution, it doesn't say it. In the Bible, it doesn't say it. Where's everyone got this impression that life has to be fair? You go to Mexico and see how many people are getting murdered and beheaded and dissected in the street and ask them how fair their life was. The biggest question is, what is the meaning of life? Because that is something you'll never get the answer of. And it's exactly the same about fairness. It's exactly the same. There's no such thing as fairness because everybody is different. Everybody's going to treat each other different. You can't change it. You'll never change it. You can bitch and moan about it. You can cry in a corner about it, but you're never going to change it. Well, we all know, ladies and gentlemen, the real meaning of life is watching films. <laughs> and not having no, people that, complain that's about the, the films. That's, that's the, the best. best part of life, yes. <laughs> Making films, watching films, loving films. That's the best part of life. Because you know, and, and again, I love that film is such an incredibly subjective thing and so open to interpretation, much like a book. Like a book, you can have your own imagination view of it. Well, the film is a perfect distillation of many people's imaginations brought to life, and I love that. And I love that you can have pure escapism and visit places you will never see in your life in a movie. And you can also have things that relate directly to you that are about your life. You know what I mean? You can have it both ways. Film has everything in it. So that's why I'm so unbelievably against any art censorship. And greed doesn't let people tell as many stories. If it, if, you know what, man? If greed was a little bit heavier, we wouldn't have Daniel Blake. We wouldn't have Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. Well, those are lucky breaks in the scream of greed of nothing but blockbusters. We need more independent film. We need more funding for independent film. We need people to get their voices heard because right now it's just a conglomerate of voices that are the, the, the chosen overlords, man. And we need to have more independent voices break into that. And theoretically... As we've talked about before, streaming is the perfect opportunity to give more people a voice because how much would it cost to get a bunch of independent filmmakers to load you with content? It'd be way cheaper than one big blockbuster. But they don't want to do it because they're afraid it won't have the returns because, again, people fit with what they know. And what they know is Tom Cruise makes a lot of Mission Impossibles. Greed. Greed is preventing creativity. <sighs> But hey, you know, I'm just a negative stuff. guy. <laughs> I'm not positive nearly enough. I want to say more positive things. What can I say? What can we, what can we end on that's really positive today? 
Well, what's really positive is that um, if things keep going this way with COVID and restrictions ending, the positive thing is that hopefully people are going to start voting with their feet and fighting for the cinema and fighting to go to the theatre. And what I would say to people out there is that I would be really positive and say to you, you should definitely be going to the cinema. And if you've got a choice between cinema and streaming, you should make that effort and you should go to the cinema. Because if it disappears tomorrow, you'll be the very person who'll be negative to say, where's the cinema gone? I used to love the cinema. God, I miss the cinema. So now's the time to make a change. Now's the time to keep it around. HMV. HMV nearly went out of business two years ago. HMV nearly went out of business in the UK two years ago. It was bought by a Canadian company. They've recently announced they're going to open 10 new stores on the high street in 2022. They're going to create more jobs, more infrastructure, They're going to try and help revitalize some high streets that have been neglected across the UK. That is great news. But the only reason they're still here is because people voted with their feet and they said, no, we want this store to remain. If this goes, there's nothing else like it. And and, and that will be the same for cinema. Vote with your wallets, vote with your feet, take the time to say, I'm going to go to the cinema. I'm not just going to sit there and then complain when it's gone going, God, I miss the cinema. Oh, it used to be great. Also, vote for common sense because common sense tells you to get off your lazy fucking ass and go go to the cinema and watch it instead of sitting (laughs) in the Because the more you sit in your ass, the more fat you're going to get, the more unhealthy you're going to get, the more you'll die earlier. That's all I'm saying. Wayne will be happier because you're walking to the cinema and you're engaging in an activity to get there. (laughs) So yeah, it's a win-win. I will say, I think that the thing that would save cinemas is a, is a radical re overhaul of their pricing structure and what they offer as incentivized. Like I used to love going to Bolden, uh, city world cinema because they had a little store that sold figures and posters. I love that. And that's gone now. And so and when, there's and nothing to incentivize you. I know. Exactly. When when you when you first came out of the cinema, you know, you'd be waiting for your friends to come out with another one, like Wayne said before. And why should we do that? You'd be looking around the figures and think, oh, wow, oh, yeah. And there's DVDs and the books and all, you know. It was brilliant. Yeah, Absolutely and it brilliant. was it was a nice way to kind of, you know, Take a little souvenir for that day out, you know, and well, get a cool really book or film, a poster or something. If you really love the film, you'd just be seeing you'd be buying the poster for it, or you'd be buying like a little fridge magnet from it or something. Do you know what I mean? It's exactly you did. And then on top of that, the the price of the concession shouldn't be so gouging, and the price of the ticket shouldn't be so gouging. But let's be fair, that's not the cinema's fault. That's them reacting to how much the greed is coming from the top. We want more of the cut of the film. We want 60% now instead of 40% and so on, despite the fact that the infrastructure itself to get the movie to that theater has now become so simple and so cheap. One other thing the cinema's made, in Britain especially, hot butter sauce. Yeah, <laughs> man, you can't get buttered popcorn in the UK. Americans, calm down. I'm, I'm not making this up. This isn't a War of the Worlds it's radio true. broadcast. It's, it's fucking when true. I came, when I came to America and I found out you had 
your own little dip, like pulled dipping sauces, and you could choose what you want. And there was a button when I was like, my God, I'm in heaven. Because we just do not get shit like that. You get sweet or you get solid. That's it. Yeah, now most American cinemas don't do sweet at all, but they have alternate things. And, you know, one of the things I used to love doing was I go to AMC Pleasure Island 14 and I would I would get my uh, my popcorn and my big drink and I get my pretzel and I have a hot mustard for my pretzel and I would take the popcorn over to the little butter machine and I would literally fill it till it felt like a soggy baby's Hell diaper. Yeah. Hell yeah. Like you'd be you'd be eating the popcorn thinking, well, this is a nice buttery popcorn. And then when you got to the bottom, it would go splash. Yep. And you go, oh, oh, I've hit the bottom. <laughs> you know what I mean? It could drip out from the bottom. It was so full. Now, you don't have butter here at all. And I, I've never found butter here for about 13 years. UCI used to have it. And then when they were out of business, they just disappeared. Mm-hmm. And so I would say to them, okay, I'll have cheese instead. Then give me some melty cheese from the nachos. And look at you as if you were nuts. They look at me like I'm a fucking insane person. and be like, well, I got to charge you for nachos then. I'm like, for the fucking cheese, dude. Yeah, I do. Well, that butter's no additional cost in America because that's an incentive to make you stay. Mm -hmm. It's all about incentivizing you to have a better experience than sitting at home. And like I loved, I'll be honest, I wouldn't watch it for every movie, but I loved going to 40X. It was a nice change of pace. I love the 40X actually, but I would want to watch certain films on the yeah, it's definitely better for uh, movies that aren't too in your face because yeah, otherwise you get thrown around too much. Don't go and watch some, what's going to throw you all about because it will literally throw you all about. Oh, yeah, it will. It will shake and shout and flip you all about. Um, but, you know, I like that you have that option. And I like when you have, like, for example, IMAX because then it's like, well, you know what? For this movie, I'll pay a little premium. I'll do it, man. And I even like 3D for the occasional movie if it worked for the movie. Yes, um, not gimmicky. Yeah, when it wasn't used purely as a gimmick, you know? And little incentives like that reinvigorated the movie theater briefly. But the problem they have is they then fucking, they throw 3D at every movie that doesn't need it. It looks like shit, you know, especially converted 3D. Or they'll just throw any movie in 4DX and call it a fucking draw, even like a romantic comedy, which makes no fucking sense. Um and again, it's just those incentives. If I go to a movie theater, I don't want to be out of pocket. I want to be, you know, feel a value for that money spent. And I always felt that value when I lived in America at AMC. Even though I was paying probably then what I'm paying now, you know? And right now in America, it's even more expensive. I think the average price I saw now in America is something like $12. I used to pay $7 back then. Um, that's not a massive increase over a 20-year period. But it's enough that, like, you'd be shitting there going, wait a minute, what the fuck? But that's more or less just inflation and greed. The concessions is a completely different story, man. You know, yes, you make your money off it. You don't have to literally make all of your money off it. Give people a little value. But hey, man, that's just my two cents. You know, I know they got to survive, but there's a difference between surviving and pillaging people. And as we talked about previously... They've already cut costs wherever they can to try and maximize because the, th- the, st- the studios are fucking them so hard. That's why you never get people ushering anymore. I miss ushers. Mm-hmm. Man, most places like that now, they don't even take your ticket and, and, and flip it. You just walk in. I'm like, why do they even fucking pay to come in here? Surely some people are not even paying now. And that's got to affect your bottom line by not having that one guy to rip your ticket. The worst one, oh, I went to City World about, uh, I don't know, nine months ago, 
And the dude served me to buy my ticket, walked to the next station, served me to give me popcorn, then walked to oh, the yeah. end of the aisle to rip my ticket. I was like, you poor fucking man. Yeah. What if it was busy? He'd have been run off his ass. Yeah, yes. oh, it's terrible. I'm saying that as well. Yeah. <sighs> Before we go today, guys, I'd love to end on some kind of a major positive. Uh, Wayne Madden, do you have anything to say? Anything positive? Anything good? Or any final points you want to make? Um, you know, talking, I, hearing you talk about the cinema just there, it makes me miss working for cinemas, working for Cineworld. But that said, when I did work for Cineworld, we had a, a, an amazing team, a lot of people. It was very much like a family. It was a different um, time. It was. It was a different time. I have to say it does make me feel sad sometimes that um, 16, 17, 18-year-olds these days will never know what it's like to work in a video store, may never know what it's like to work in a cinema, uh, that these are alien concepts. Because in all honesty, at that time in my life, working in a video store was some of the happiest times in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it was just a great experience meeting customers, speaking to people. It was a very positive thing. And nowadays, unfortunately, that's so alien that even the concept might be mentioned to people and of a certain age and they'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? Who the hell would go there? You know, you have everything that you could ever need on your phone. And it's just, you know, it was all about that effort, those stories and just... That is the positivity that I take from it. I, I, I want to, you know, I, I want to see the video store come back. That's what I also want to see come back. I don't want to see the cinema go anywhere. I like the cinema. It's a good place. Well, going back to what Wayne was saying earlier about people getting up and going, I remember when I was a kid, I, I mentioned this to you the other day. We were playing around on Google Earth and uh, over over Zoom, and we were talking about places we've been in our past. Um I used to, on every weekend when I'd see my friends, I, we would get on our bikes and we would leave where I lived and we would do a two and a half mile uh, bike ride to the local um, shopping promenade, which had like an Albertsons and, you know, um, a Blockbuster video and a Subway. And we would get a Subway sandwich and go to Blockbuster and chat with the staff and talk about what's new, what's good, what do we want to do, what's you know, what do you recommend? And they would sit and talk with us. They go, oh well, man, I know you really enjoyed the other week when you rented Crash Bandicoot, um, so you really want to pick up a copy of this Metal Gear Solid. Or they would say things like, you know, um, oh, well, did you enjoy Frighteners when you borrowed it last week? Well, then you got to watch this other movie by Peter Jackson and so on. And they would have a chat with us, and it was great. And we'd ride our bikes back the two and a half miles. And it was like no big deal. That was like the the golden summers. That was my equivalent of Stranger Things riding their bikes around the neighborhood in that show. Um, but I always came home with something to do for the weekend. And that was my one thing I could do for the weekend because there was nothing else to do. Exactly. There was nothing else going except anything I owned. I didn't have any streaming services. We had a couple of channels. I mean, well, this was Florida, so we had like 180 channels on yeah, satellite. Yeah, four. But even still, with 180 channels, I tell you, it was always that joke. There's nothing ever anything good on because people weren't investing at the time in like every day there's a bigger movie on. It was just random shit. You know, I would see the same movies come on the, on HBO like eight times in a week, like Daryl. I love Daryl. But man, I must have watched it so many times as a kid because it was just always on HBO. 
um, now everything's a lot more random because there's just so much fucking content. Um, which is the whole point of the original part of this episode. Content has now become king. Yeah. It's not I'm, how good you do, it's how much you do. I can actually go one better with a video store. I used to go, there's a lot of video store I used to go to, and I, I'd walk in. And before I even started looking on the shelves, I'd get, I'd, I'd get, he would shout from the counter, win, win. Like, what? We've kept this in the sci because we know you're going to like this one. <laughs> nice. And it will be full moon or it'll be like something, you know, with Michael Ironside or something, you know, or something like that. They just knew what I was watching. Um, and they would literally keep it to one side if it was brand new out so nobody else could get it before me. Now, it's funny uh, you mentioned about full moon there because I never used to rent things like full moon and stuff. Now, you discovered that, that stuff on video due yeah. to word of mouth. I only discovered that stuff because way back when channels like HBO, they would buy the cheapest content to fill its ranks. And I saw shitloads of those. Yeah. I saw I saw the Dollman series and Puppet Master Trances series and, and all, that stuff. all that stuff was on HBO all the time because it was way less expensive to put those on than big movies. And so I grew up on those things as like, that's the freebies. That's the free movies, right? Yeah. And yet, weirdly enough, now because content is king, everyone's putting all the expensive shit on to lure you in. It's really hard to find those cheap movies. However, that speaks to how there's no their, independent movies. Full Moon have their own streaming site. <laughs> I mean, oh it's god, you everything. took it too far now, man. It's oh just, my it, god! And it's a sister site of Amazon, so you pay for Amazon, you pay an extra three pound if you want Full Moon. Saying that the the collection Full Moon must have for three pound, that's not a lot. Oh yeah, it is worth it. I, I mean, they've got to have what? If it was just Full Moon Entertainment Films, you still got to talk over a hundred movies. Oh, dude, easy. And I mean, as, as even though yes, some of them are total trash. Let's be fair. Some of them, the 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 intentions were so good, they overshadow how bad their budgets were, or how bad yeah. their effects were, yeah. or anything. I I always have a special place in my heart for Tim Thomas and, and Dollman. Tim Thomas and I love Tim. I just you know, always can't chances, help Chances, Dollman, you know, he did a few things like that. He was one of my little, like, low-budget favorite actors. Now, I would imagine growing up in Ireland, you don't know any of these things we're talking about. When, um, I don't have a clue what you're talking <laughs> about. But, you know, hey. it's nice to hear you happy, so that's all. <laughs> well, I think, like I say, if I hadn't had um, low-budget HBO movies and he hadn't had a really particularly guy who knew him in the blockbuster, then neither of us would have ever seen them. So it was a very niche market, to say the least. So the likelihood that you would have ran into it is incredibly slim. Like Wayne probably introduced it to everyone who's seen it in the Northeast. And I probably introduced it to everyone I knew in America. And that's how those movies live. Word of mouth. Where's the word of mouth now? Indeed. It's all Indeed. Uh, anything else positive to say, Wayne, before we go? Positive? Not really. Just, yeah, mm. I agree. I agree with, uh, <laughs> with Wayne. Just let's keep these uh, cinemas going. Yep. And that starts with you, big studios. Get your shit together. Stop being so fucking greedy. You don't need that many millions, you know? I mean, especially when you're just plowing them into garbage anyway. Well, I've been doing whatever happened to Fox Searchlight or Paramount, you know, Select, where they were doing nothing but indie movies. I haven't seen them Isn't do nothing where, in like, ages. Disney, like, just ripped them and took them over and killed them and murdered them. Well, maybe Fox Searchlight, but that's no excuse for Paramount. Um, well, not Paramount, but, you know. You know, Paramount, uh, the independent features they were doing. 
But then I guess they just got lazy. Same as everything, isn't it? They know what people want to watch, so they'll just make <sighs> them. Instead of going off on a woman trying something new. It's sad, man. You know, it's very sad. But hey, it might not be sad in the future. Maybe we're wrong about everything and it's all going to get better. Maybe people will start speaking with their wallets. Maybe people will start standing up for more independent films. I don't know anyone that doesn't love independent films, even the bad ones, uh, because they're happy that they're getting a voice out there. It's just making sure there's enough of us to become a majority, not a minority, to say that. And maybe they'll start to listen. You know, Well, let's hope. But hey, I could be wrong. I could be right. We could be right. We could be wrong. Let us know what you think, guys. Give us some comments. Let us know on our Facebook, social media, etc. You can reach us at our website at deadrealfilms.com forward slash movie madness. You can also get us uh, via email at movie madness at deadrealfilms.com. And as I said, you can search Dead Real Films, Dead Real Films on Facebook, Instagram, etc. You communicate with us there. We always love to hear what you guys think and what you have to say. Why don't you let us know? Sound off in the comments. And uh, in the meantime, I've been your host, Henry Thompson. I'd like to thank Wayne Thompson for being here. As always, I'd like to thank Wayne Madden. Thank you so much for giving me your time, guys. I love speaking with you guys. And Dude Movie Madden is one of my highlights of the week every week. I love talking to you guys about movies. It makes me feel better about no matter how bad it gets, there's still, we're all real fans. And there is a lot of fans out there, I'm sure, that would love to be as vocal as we are. And I wish they would come on the show and be vocal with us. <laughs> In the meantime, you guys have a great night. Keep watching those good movies. Keep telling everyone what you need to see. And everybody have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye.